All right, Heather. A through Z. H. H. Good. So, one of these stars of Homicide, Life on the Streets, uh, Andre Brower. Uh, he died today. About an hour and a half ago is when that was announced. And that really mm-hmm. sucks. Because I loved him on Homicide. And anybody that loves Detective Munch should love him. Because that's where Detective Munch originally uh, originated on. And, you know, and more famously, people probably know him as Captain Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. And he passed away, and that makes me really sad because he's really fantastic. Yeah, I know. I'm really bummed out about that. He was great. I mean, I think I think Captain Holt is one of the best TV characters ever. Like, he was just so well done, and it's because of Andre Brower's, like, delivery of him. So, yeah, that's really sad. He was also on, uh, wasn't he, like, a Law & Order SVU, like, a... Uh, Defense attorney or something, I think. Yes, he plays an attorney on SVU, but he also plays his character from Homicide on an episode of Law & Order. Oh, okay. So he actually appears in Law & Order as his Homicide character. And he appears in, I think, he might have appeared in an early episode of SVU in the same way. But I know for a fact he's on the original Law & Order as his character from Homicide. And Mm -hmm. uh, because it was like a crossover episode thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yes, and he plays a defense attorney in SVU a few times. Mm-hmm. I think he's also in The Good Lawyer or The Good Something, whatever. Maybe The Good Wife. Maybe. Maybe but The Good Lawyer. Isn't The Good Lawyer a spinoff of The Good Wife? Oh, is it maybe. A, is it The Good Lawyer? I don't know. It's all that shit. Who Who knows, really? It's impossible <laughs> to know. <laughs> There's no way to find out. None. But yeah, super sad that man died. Yeah. Fantastic. And as far as I know, no problems. That's always a plus too. Except oh, it's you not mean really like him plus. being an unproblematic person? Yeah. Yeah. And I say that, like, that's not necessarily a good thing. Because then that means we lost a good one. And that sucks a little more. Why can't we yeah. lose some of these shitty ones? Some of these like shitty people. Like Kissinger? <laughs> Good news, guys. Henry Kissinger is still dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks of awesome. Like I know a lot of bad shit's happening in the world right now, but a little less bad shit's happening because Kissinger can't commit more war crimes. So... It's a small victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. I mean, on some more positive news, you know, your boys, Tennessee Titans beat the fucking Miami Dolphins. Fuck those assholes. Not really. I've got nothing but respect for the Miami Dolphins. And that's mainly because my family is a Dolphins family. I come from a Miami Dolphins family. And I was weirdly, uh, my dad's actually up, up here 
right now. Uh, it's the first time I've gotten to watch a Dolphins Titans game with my dad in, in 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 over a decade. And you know, going up against a world beater, potential one seed Miami Dolphins playing at home, being one of two teams that haven't lost at home this season, tied with Justin's Dallas Cowboys. And my lowly Tennessee Titans dragging up the ass into the fucking NFL with their shittery. Haven't won a road game in damn near a season and a half. And somehow we fucking did it. That was a crazy ass game. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you did it either. Um, well, actually, I know a little bit. Uh Man, when Tyreek went out, Tua didn't look the same. I will say that. He looked a little uncomfortable out there. That whole then, offense went mediocre real fast when Tyreek kills out. Yeah. So some of these people that have been like shouting on the mountain that Tyreek Hill should be the MVP. This kind of showed why. He got some my vote last night. That. <laughs> This kind of shows why some people believe that because, man, they did not look the same. They and, did not score an offensive touchdown for the first three quarters. Yeah. It, it, it didn't even look like this supercharged, super offense, super speed, you can't beat us anywhere, Miami Dolphins. Like, it didn't even look like that without him out there. Like, the entire identity just changed, but... But hey, it is what it is. You gotta, you either gotta adapt. And I mean, Will Levis, you know, I mean, I know he ain't no tool, but he sure knew how to adapt and make something happen. Hey, he made some plays. Yep, he he made some plays. And when you make plays, you win games. I mean, that's as simple as that. The weird thing is, is he did what the Miami Dolphins offense could not do. He went down the field multiple times and scored. Yes, he did. The Dolphins scored their two offensive touchdowns off a blocked, uh, I'm sorry, off a muffed punt and off a bad pitch, like a bad backwards pass, both on the Tennessee side of the fucking field. Yep. And he had to score twice in one quarter. He only had a quarter to do it. He had to score twice in three minutes. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's right. I forgot how tight that window was. It yeah, wasn't it was even a quarter. Minutes. It was three minutes. Yeah. yeah, it was three minutes in the fourth quarter, and he had to do it twice, and, he's, and he somehow did it. And we couldn't get the Dolphins to get down there once, you know, just to kick a field goal, put it out of reach, you know. And couldn't it even was, do that. And it was also very nice that the final play that the Dolphins had was a sack. That made me feel a little good, too. And honestly, whenever they did get that muffed snap or whatever, and then they ran it back for a touchdown and the defense did the remember the Titans dance in the end zone, I kind of felt like, oh, God, I don't think this is going to go well. You don't do the remember the Titans dance to the Titans, man. And the best thing about it. it. That's just some things you just don't do. And I was like, man, these I was in another chat and I was like, man. They're trolling a little too hard, man. It's a little too early for all this trolling like this. I mean, that's some other level trolling. And it came back to bite them. 
bit him in the ass. And the most ironic thing is, too, is if you're actually following me on, on social media, I do a thing after every single Titans game. And I have done so for like the last six or seven years. If the Titans win, I always declare that the other team did not remember the Titans. And if the Titans lose, I declare that that team did remember the Titans. And I think that that even adds a little bit more like irony to the situation that they're doing the remember the Titans dance like they done remembered. But at the end of that game, I weirdly still got to pronounce that they did not, in fact, remember the Titans. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So I it was even more insulting because it was the Miami Dolphins and I'm sitting there with my Miami Dolphins family while the fucking Dolphins are on the field doing the remember the Titans dance. And in the end, I was the only person in that house that was happy because they did not remember them. They did not. So, hey, you know, from one team that beat the one seed to another, you know, congrats, sir. Thank you. I'm not going to lie, Justin. I was surprised as fuck that Dallas went out there and stomped the Eagles. Yeah, I didn't expect the stomping. I, I thought maybe they could win because I felt like the Eagles are reeling a bit because of their schedule. I'm not going to sit here and act like they haven't had a gauntlet of schedule of a schedule the Eagles have. But I thought it would be more competitive than that. And it just, I mean, not an offensive touchdown. Damn. Yeah, I was like, dang. What sucks though is the 49ers are getting hot again. They had Shoot, that lull. Man, I, they had that lull in the middle of the season for those two games and now they just a smoke show again. Yep. And their schedule isn't too bad on the back end and the Eagles schedule gets easier too. Dallas schedule gets hard. So I don't know where it's all going to be by the time we get to the end but God, man, the 49ers just look unbeatable at times. Like, I'm just like, I mean, unless something happens to someone, like, uh, uh, you know, barring injuries or something like that, I just don't know. And, and you know, that that's why, how they got bounced last year was... Purdy got the, hurt? The quarter, yeah, Purdy got hurt. But... Man, barring injuries or people missing, how are you going to beat them? I, I haven't seen – they haven't been beat. When they are whole, nobody is beating them. Nobody. I mean, the game everybody is out there, The two games they them. lost this se- – well, like earlier this season, like one was – Purdy got concussed. The NFL mm-hmm. missed it. Purdy got concussed. Yeah. And, and Debo, Debo, Debo went wasn't out there. And then Debo yep. went out. Yeah, like no Debo and Purdy got concussed and played the rest of the game and played the next game when he probably shouldn't have either. Yeah. But now it looks like he got his head right. Mhm. So, and I made one of my I made one of my fantasy playoffs. I had to win. I had to win to get in, but like if I won, I was in. I jumped from 7th place to 5th in seeding just from that win. Nice. Yeah. And I'm the third highest scoring team in the league too. So, and my my average points per game has been going up towards the back end of the season because I made some big trades. 
I got I got uh, Christian McCaffrey, and I had gotten a a chain from the Dolphins. Wow. I I had got him in a trade earlier in the season, and he got hurt the game after I got him. Oh, so he's now healthy, and I have Christian McCaffrey also, and Derrick Henry. Oh God. You want to know who my quarterback is, Jason? Who? Josh Allen. Damn. Yeah. Well, I can see why you made it. Know who my wide receiver one is? You'll like this. You'll like this one. Don't say CeeDee Lamb. It's CeeDee Lamb. (laughs) You know who my wide receiver two is? I'm I'm legitimately asking because I don't have one. All my other wide receivers suck so bad. I've got Adam Thielen, who was great at the beginning of the season, but now sucks. Yeah. I've got Garrett yeah. Wilson that can put one good game every five games. Yep. <laughs> I've got Dotson from the Commanders. He has one good game a season. Yep. I mean, I've got no one else, but, you know, so far I'm fine. Uh, you'll like my tight end. Who you got? Got your Travis. boy. Huh? I got your boy, Jason. I got I got Ferguson. Oh, okay. Fergie. Yeah. That's Fergalicious. Yeah. I won't go into the defense because this is actually a full team, so I've got a bunch of defensive players, but mm, okay. But yeah. I'm weirdly stacked to just make a run. And this is like I've got no first round picks for the next three years because of this shit. Yeah. I've got no first or seconds for the next two. I've got nothing. This really, what is your, this was my LA Rams. I'm sacrificing everything for this season. I was about to say like, what is the team name? OP like, (laughs) no, this is just Chicago's own Whataburger. Yeah, but this I'm I've given up everything. I get five hundred bucks if I win, though. So I'm oh, I'm literally well, sacrificing work. the field just to get five hundred bucks, and then I may or may not even stay in this league next year. I'll let somebody like somebody will inherit my team because it's a dynasty league. We keep our team. You'll have to drop people, but you'll keep the team. So it's a stacked team. We'll see, though. Yeah. $500 is not bad. That'll get you a cheeseburger or two. Give me a couple two-tree cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get you two or three cheeseburgers with that. I can go get some fancy Chicago cheeseburgers for that kind of money. There's a Chicago fancy cheeseburger that I don't know about. Yeah, that's the place we tried to go, Chavelle's. That's right. Yeah, we just didn't get up there. We weren't able to go to Chavelle because they had a four-hour wait on a Monday. But, hey, we went to that Haymarket place. That's pretty good. Well, we're going to have to try them again. They don't, they don't do, you can't do, you can't Uber eat that. Can't Uber eat. Not from the city. 
Charbonnet Burgers or whatever it's called. You know what we did get here, Justin? We what? got the first Cosmics. Oh, okay. Which is that McDonald's spinoff restaurant. Yeah, yeah. The first one in the world opened up in Romeoville. Not that far from me. Hmm. So. Going to have to go try that, Justin. They got all these... They got all these coffees and teas and slushies. All this stuff, man. Yeah. Get on that. And all day McMuffins. Man. Do you be on McMuffins like you do bagels? I typically only eat two. Or just two? Just okay. two. But I will say this, no matter what, if I do get McDonald's breakfast, I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin no matter what. That is one of my breakfast sandwiches every time. Because that thing is just perfect deliciousness. I kind of like that McGriddle. See, I go back and forth between a bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddle or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. But I always get with that, with one of those two, sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin. Yeah. But I get it with the McGriddle. Like I said, I like that bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddle. It's nice. Yeah. It, it, it'd be hitting. It'd be hitting sometimes, man. It'd be, it'd be hitting like Creed three. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that thing, that thing will hit. Um, Speaking of burgers, I mean, I'm now I'm going back to burgers, but I saw that Wendy's was advertising a pretzel bun baconator. Yeah, the pumpkin. And I don't know. That's a lot of my favorite things together. I it have sounds one. Sounds like I would I would love that. I have one about two know. weeks ago. Is it is it as awesome as it sounds? Like just bacon, meat, bacon, and pretzel. Yeah, bun. Yeah. You I mean, sound I'm, too excited. I'm not you huge sound, about sound the like baconator. Was... Oh, okay. Just and I think it's the baconator sauce. I don't really dig that. Because mm. it, it's like a ketchup-based sauce that I don't love. Mm. But I mean, it's still good. I ate it. I ate all of it real quick. See, I just see meat and bacon, a bunch of bacon and meat, and I just go. Mm. That's positive. That just means I want it, you know. Which is really funny because I've never heard you make that noise about Burger King. <laughs> oh, well, come on. You, you knew it was coming. You had to know. I drove by there the other day. I know. You drive by there every day, Justin. It looks, it looks nice. It looks clean, you know. What's Holidays the inside look up? like? From the outside, it looked... No, no. What's it look like on the inside? Like, when you open the door and step in, what's it look like? I mean... All right, let me be, let me be fair, Justin. <laughs> you rattled my brain. Um, let uh, me be fair, Justin. Uh, to be like, determined? Okay, uh, how clean is the uh, drive through window when you were up next to it? You might have gone through drive through I want to be fair to you. 
You might not have gone inside. You might have just gone through drive-thru. How clean was that drive-thru window? Um, to be determined at a later date is the best I can give you at this time. But just but say you're never going to go I, there. Just say it, Justin. Just say you're never actually going to order food from that Burger King. I think it is more likely that you will accidentally get Burger King in some town you are wrestling in before you actually go to that Burger King you drive by every day. You could be right about that. But it's the thought that counts, you know. It's that time of year where the thoughts count. So when I drive by there and 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 throw my little thoughts at it, it should count for something, you know. It counts for nothing. Hmm. Well, Child Heather still likes Burger King. Child Heather's dead. <laughs> All that's left is adult Heather. Adult Heather killed child Heather. (laughs) That's really morbid. (laughs) Yet weirdly true. Mm. Mm. On a philosophical level, you know, you got to think about that. (laughs) Just like adult Justin killed kid Justin. Mm. Yeah. Kid Jason had to not exist anymore for adult Jason to to exist now. <laughs> I think all kid versions go to heaven, kind of like all dogs. Mine it's didn't. That our kids don't wish that go. shit on me. Don't put that juju on me. Why would you? That, why would you go. say something so cruel? They all go. You can't. There are. I don't make the rules. No, you go. remember in All Dogs Go to Heaven? They Some dogs went to dog hell. That's true, but in the end, they all. Nah. Fuck you. My, my kid soul's in <laughs> hell, damn it. How dare you? I don't, I don't make the rules, man. And my kid's soul broke it. That's why it's in hell. Why can't he just be in heaven but thinking about that? Like he's he could be like wouldn't that heaven, wouldn't that doom it to going, hell anyway? I'm such a hellion. If you're in he hell, if you're be, in heaven dreaming about being in heaven, wouldn't that be a hellworthy trespass? Well, I'm just saying, you know, he's in heaven in his little bed, going, "Oh, I'm a hellion in heaven." I mean, nah. he could be there doing that because nah. I don't make the rules. You know what Sterling, my kid sold We did? all go. It ran up to all Jesus go. and kicked him in the shin. And then it wouldn't really you. hurt. He would, he would go, ow, and he'd go, oh, right, that's right. We're in heaven. I'm invincible. So, oh, look at this little kid. Oh, he's so such a troublemaker. And then I flipped but, him off know, and he said, they all hell. go to heaven because no. I don't make the rules. My kid's soul is in hell where it belongs. Okay, we're going to have to agree to disagree. On Man, just let my kid's soul go to hell, Justin. Shit, like. Why you got to be all rude about this shit? Like, I know I was making fun of you with Burger King and shit, but, like, you weirdly got personal with it. 
Sterling, they all go. It doesn't say some go. It's the title what? is they all go to heaven. What title? Title of what? The movie. The movie's all dogs go to heaven. Kids, dogs, same difference. Nah, fuck they you. I've go. got a cat soul. My shit's in hell. Fuck you. I've got a cat soul. <laughs> A cat soul? What is what is that? Well, you were talking about kids and dog souls being one and the same. I mean, I'm just saying, if my soul is anything like an animal, it's like a cat. I mean, cat, dog, alligator, ant, ostrich, they all go. No, I, I you can't keep adding rules. animals to this title. The title strictly and specifically only states dogs. And, and, and with that, that is a lie. Because in the movie, we specifically see a dog go to hell. I actually don't remember, like, hardly anything about that movie. The only thing I remember is that there's a dog that goes to hell. <laughs> yeah, there is a hell. And it's kind of the story of him getting redemption and blah, 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 you know. You can't keep a good dog down. Roof, 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 roof. <laughs> I just feel like it, I remember being so sad when I was a kid. It was so, sad. Charlie yeah. was cool, man. Charlie was a good dog. <laughs> the knowledge that you retain of these movies from your childhood, it's impressive. I mean, Wikipedia specifically says there is a dog hell. Well, then, are you calling the title a liar? Yes, I am, in fact. Thank you. <laughs> Movie says it. That settles it. Man. You just have to be right. This is adult Sterling talking, but child Sterling would be cool with the heaven. You know, he, would wouldn't, like, he wouldn't be all like, yeah, if you ever yeah. wanted to see a Sterling that was even more of a cat soul, just go look at fucking little kid Sterling. I've softened in my old age. Little kid Sterling didn't fuck around with that shit. So it was pretty. So his kid Sterling was pretty hardcore. Kind of like how child Heather's like been everywhere and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, love Burger King. All right, we need to start this movie because there's so much to say. Yeah, probably should. Transition. <laughs> Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Poor Things. 
we will be going recommendations or we will be going spoiler free recommendations. Of course. I'm sorry. I can't keep it up. Justin, I was just fucking with you again. Man, I was about to go bad. <laughs> what? The if, look what on your I, face. What did I miss in the chat this time? <laughs> <laughs> when did we change it this time? If if you the need a reference to this, just go listen to the first section or the, the first part of last week's <laughs> Silent Night episode. Uh, no, in all actuality, we are going uh, to talk about what we'd like to like and everything in between with the new Martin right. Scorsese movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section. And with all that, I do also have to tell you, Justin, Heather's the one that texted me to, to suggest we do that. Child well, Heather just came out for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just man. too good not to pass up because your face, your face was like you were about to, I don't know, you were, you were not happy. <laughs> I was about to retire. Like, maybe I just can't do this anymore. I'm just not, I'm no good at this anymore. We pushed I can't watch you to your right edge. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. It was like, well, it's going to be another one. But next week's Killers of the Flower Moon. But. Yeah. No, I just had to. <laughs> and with all that, because I think I might have a unique thing to say, I am going to go first. When it comes to Killers of the Flower Moon, all I have to say to start this off with is Mr. Scorsese, Mr. Martin Scorsese. You were once known as an iconic director. You were once known as a legend in this industry. And I had felt that you lost your way when it came to the Irishman that three and a half hour long monstrosity, that CGI algamation of just of a, of abomination bullshit. <laughs> Come on, man. He didn't look that bad. Justin, he was a fucking liar anyway. And then you want to follow that up with another three and a half hour fucking movie. And I just want to tell you, Mr. Scorsese, I hate you. I do. I truly hate you from the bottom of my soul. Because I wanted to fucking hate this movie. I wanted to. This movie's really fucking good, though. This movie is really fucking good. This movie is really (laughs) fucking good. Jason's face lit up at you saying this positive thing. I just want to do a play-by-play of Jason's face this episode because it's just it's on point today, guys. There are problems with this movie. You could have shaved some things out and saved some time, but not much. And that's where I'll give him credit. Not much. I think maybe if I made the cuts I'd want to make, I could get this down to just a super brisk three hours and 15 minutes. And that's about it. There is not a lot to cut out of this movie that I feel like wouldn't hurt the movie. And fuck you for doing that. I wanted to be able to slash and dice this movie and go, man, we could have gotten in, in and out in an hour 20. You couldn't. This movie is appropriately linked. 
And I hate that. I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. It is an incredibly well-crafted movie for a three and a half hour long movie. The pacing is surprisingly good. The acting is top notch. The cinematography is just damn near perfect. They do lots of scenes in this movie where they change the aspect ratio to look almost like a film cell and it's in black and white, but it still has a 4k quality picture. And I loved every one of those because it gave an old timey feel, but with modern day, just detail and beauty. I am so fucking mad that I really don't have too much negative to say about this movie. It's not perfect, but fuck, it's pretty close. It's not my favorite movie of the year. And I don't even think it's the best movie of the year. But if someone were to say it was their favorite movie of the year, or someone was to say it's the best movie of the year, I'm not really going to argue with them. Because I can see that. Now, to be fair, I am probably never going to watch this movie again. It is incredibly long. I felt like I like, and I feel like I should have set just four and a half hours aside through in a day, like in, you know, 30 minutes on either side, or if I need to take restroom break or something, you know, uh, to truly watch this, you've got to take an afternoon to watch this. And that's my big negative with it. Not my big negative, but my big negative against probably we rewatching it. I could watch two other movies in this amount of time. But I did not waste my time watching this. And as much as this pains me to say, I am glad I did. Justin, what about you? Well, I mean, I got to follow that. Like, that was pretty shocking. I did not think that that's where you were going to land on this. But I'm glad you did because you're in the right place. Um, I mean, I, I, I agree. It, it is one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, you. it is. You can go ahead and give it its flowers. It, it is. I mean, I haven't seen all the movies, but shit. I just don't think there's going to be too many that come close to the craftsmanship of this, the, the acting in this. Um, and this story is not one that I knew about. I wasn't aware of this. I wasn't aware of the Osage nation and these indigenous people that were put on this land and just basically put there um, to just retire and be there. But then there was oil there and then they got rich and all that. I didn't know about this story. I did not. But a movie like this points towards progress. I'm glad that 
a story like this is getting awareness and being told because watching this, it made me want to look at other things. I went to YouTube and watched something on like what actually happened with this just to find out more about the story and see more like, you know, find out more about the, the actual story, how much it parallels and stuff like that. And surprisingly, a lot of what was in this movie is exactly what happened. I mean, a, a lot of what I heard was exactly what happened. There were just, there were specific events that I was like, oh damn, that was in the movie. That was in the movie. That was in the movie. So I was like, okay, Martin. Okay. So I'm always down for stories like this, uh, to, to be told because these are stories that we need to hear, you know, need to be told about and everything like that. Um, honestly, I don't really have a complaint about the film itself, but if I am going to complain about something, the only thing I wish is that I just will argue that the perspective that this is told from, uh, which is, the the white men in the story. Um I'd love to see this tackled by indigenous people and told more from their perspective. That's the only thing that this is lacking. Like it, it's it's good it, it's good storytelling. It's great. It, it has all of that stuff in it, but I think that this was Molly's story. It feels like it should have been more of Molly's story than it was Ernest Burkhardt's story. That's probably the only thing I wish was different about this. But but I'm not going to lie to you. I understand who we're dealing with here. Martin Scorsese is all about his corrupt white men doing some horrible shit. I mean, that is what, that is what this man is so great at doing. And that is what this man has just done almost his entire life. So it's a big ask for him to even go this far to tell more of the indigenous people's story in this and he does. I think he does a lot with them, though, with respect. He he respects the other side. I just think that there needed to be more of it, you know, just and, and when I got a little bit of it, I wanted more of it. But it didn't come because we had to, you know, because, you know, Leo Ernest story, you know, we have to tell that story and we have to tell and we have to see the corruption and the ins and outs of it and the manipulation and all of that kind of stuff, which still was very fascinating. But that might be the only thing stopping this movie from being perfect. There's another movie out there where we get the other perspective and it's probably better um, than this. That That's about the only critique I can add to this, but but the movie on its face is is great like like it's excellent from start to finish 
And I was just engaged right away because, um, and, and honestly, by the time you get to the end, you go through all sorts of emotions. Sometimes you're just angry. Sometimes you're just, you, you feel terrible. And then, and then at the end, you're just like, like, I'm not going to say, I don't know what, I didn't know what to feel, but it's like you, you get to the end of it and it's kind of one of those movies that just makes you wish things were different. Like it just makes you wish why couldn't people have made better choices? Why do, why are we like this? It's just one of those questions that really makes you ask those things and wish that things were better for people. But alas, this is um, just another part of what America is and what in a lot of ways always has been. And that's unfortunate, but it's nice that um, a story like this was told awareness is raised. And I think that Scorsese did this with not only a passion for what he likes to film, you know, with the corruption and all of that kind of stuff and just his passion for filmmaking, but it did feel like he also felt something for what happened. And he had, um, a, a passion for what it, it felt like he felt like this was a wrong and he wanted to bring some light to this wrong. So I I could feel all of that too. So, so yeah, um, it, it's a great movie. It's a meaningful movie. And I get what you're staying, saying Sterling about the rewatchability of it. Um, I guess all I would say is that, you know, if you're signing up for Martin Scorsese, he don't really do the short and sweets, you know, that's not really his wheelhouse. So I feel like if you sign up for this, you know what you're walking into, but yeah, this is a movie, not even just for the length is hard to get to twice. Just, I think the subject matter and putting yourself through this a second time is not easy, you know, just given what happened and that we are dealing with something historical that did happen. But yeah, but still, bravo. It was an amazing effort. And I mean, the last thing I'll say is that uh, Leonardo, to the two actors that really, well, Robert De Niro killed it. Robert De Niro was great in this. Uh, I, I, really, everybody was, but I wanted to focus at least and say one thing about Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone, which is, I think, the crux of the movie's acting. Now, Leonardo DiCaprio is weird with me because on the right day, I think you could argue he might be like the best male actor. On the right day, if you catch me on the right day and I'm looking at his resume, I might be able to say, you know, Leo he might pound for pound be the best, but he has this thing where like he'll be in this movie and he'll do a great job, but there's always this other person that seems to overshadow him. Like I was literally talking York, about that today. He gets overshadowed yeah, all the fucking time. 
Yeah, like, and that's the thing that stops him. He's so great, but he's always in there with somebody who just who just is a bit better and overshadows him. And I don't know, maybe, it, you know, we got to start looking at that the other way and going, maybe Leo elevates these people, but cause he always winds up there again and maybe not so much all these other people. Right. But still it happens like gangs in New York, Daniel day Lewis got him in that, you know, aviator. A lot of people thought Kate Blanchett got him in that. Um, catch me if you can. Tom Hanks got him in that. You know, like I there's think movies. Tom Hardy outshines him in The Revenant. See and see, a lot of people thought that too. The like Tom movie, Hardy got him. I mean, half the cast outshines him in The Departed. Like, yeah, he gets yeah. outshined left and right in The Departed. The where the yeah. one movie he weirdly doesn't get outshined in is Django Unchained. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's not the lead. Yeah. Which is weird. But that's the side thing is he's not the lead in that. Like Heather said, he's not the lead. Yeah. He's not the lead in that, but he did kill it in that. But he's there a lot, you know, so that's where you can make an argument, man. As often as he is there, it's hard. It's hard not to crown him. And he was here in this movie. But I'd be damned if Lily Gladstone outshined him like a motherfucker. My God, Lily Gladstone. If Lily Gladstone isn't winning some statues, I am going to be mad. That That's all I'm going to say. You know what's going to piss me off This is one of those. What? She's going to get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. You're right. That's going to piss me off. And, and yep, and she'll win all of those, but she won't get that actress. That's she, Best Actress, hands down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Quit that shit. But, Yeah. Like, but Lily Gladstone absolutely steals the show in this. She's wonderful. And maybe that's the reason why on a, there's a level of me that feels like maybe this should have been about Molly more than anybody. But yeah, she was excellent. Leo was excellent as always. So just wanted to say that last thing. Bravo to them. Yeah, I was building that suspense. Heather, what about you? <laughs> I was like, maybe he's going to add to it first. Um, I mean, and the interesting thing is, too, I actually thought this was going to be sort of from Molly's perspective, because when you when the movie first starts, you know, you hear her narrating and talking about just the the people that have been killed when there's just, you know, no investigation or anything to it. So that kind of set up the tone for me that this was going to be told from her perspective. Um, and it wasn't necessarily, I mean, there were moments of it, but not really, you know, like it wasn't fully from that perspective. And I think that I agree that that would have been the thing to do to make this movie just a little, even step above what it was is make it from Molly's perspective on all of this, because especially to the, the observations that she would be having of all the white men in town, including her husband, you know, like it just would have been interesting to see all of it. And if she had some kind of like bias about it because she knew them and, you know, all these things, or if she was going to be more, you know, forthcoming about the whole thing, like it just would have been interesting in a lot of ways to see that perspective. But, um, 
But yeah, I do agree that I think this movie is really good. And I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit like, oh, three and a half hours. That's rough. That's long. Like, (laughs) but it honestly does not feel that long uh, because the pacing is pretty well done throughout this movie. I agree also about the cinematography of it. Um, And, you know, he Scorsese definitely put like a like a, an interesting like flair on this movie to just really kind of give it like a pop of, you know, something like put like a freshness on this like very old story in a sense, if that, if that makes sense. But I liked it. I really like how he did it. Um, you know, even the music incorporated and like the old timey photos incorporated and just, it just has like a, like a new, like a new flair to it, which was, it just was really cool. Um, the acting absolutely top notch. Lily Gladstone is just, you know, I hope she gets every role ever invented after this. Like she's amazing. She was so great. I have not seen her in anything else before, but I have a feeling she's going to be in everything now. And I'm completely on board for that. So yeah, it's, um, it's really, a really well-told story. The stacked cast is great. Like they use everybody that they get in this movie for the most part, really well. You know, I think there's some people that could have probably been used more or in a different way, but overall, I think, yeah, just everybody brought something to these characters that just, they, they were so good, all of them. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I wasn't, I don't, I didn't find myself, bored at any point with the story you know I was very invested in what was going to happen and all of these things and like yeah you just you kind of they do really good at making you feel like this impending doom that's about to happen throughout the entire movie you just never really know when it's going to happen and it's kind of consistently happening in places throughout it anyway but just the fact that because of that you, you feel very much like, I don't know when the next thing's about to hit. And, you know, that kind of keeps you on your toes with this movie. And it's really good storytelling. It's a really great way to have this story unfold. So, yeah, I think it's, it's an excellent film. It's really great. Like, it, everything that people are saying about this movie was spot on, you know. And there's a lot of times when I'm just like, if I feel like a movie is a little bit overhyped, it kind of turns me off to the movie sometimes, <laughs> but this was not the case here. Like it's just, there's not really a way, a way around it. It's just a really great story and it's told really well in this movie. So yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you guys. I think it's great. There's yeah, there's not a whole lot to really, and that is crazy to say, like there's not a whole lot to say, you know, you could take out of this movie or that you would want to really change about this movie for the most part. And that's saying something considering it's three and a half hours long. So I, I think that there's something to be said for that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely was a big fan of this movie. Uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, keep it going. Yeah, definitely recommend this. It is, um, I mean, I honestly, I mean, this might be just recency bias with it, but like, it might be one of my favorite Scorsese films now. 
Like, I think it's great. I really do. Um, and I think it's definitely worth watching. It's definitely worth hearing the story. It's worth seeing all of these incredible performances. Uh, there's just, there's no reason not to watch it. I, the only thing I would say is obviously give yourself three and a half hours to do it. (laughs) Like just make sure that you have the time to invest in watching it. Because if you, if you give yourself that time, it's totally worth watching a hundred percent. So yeah, I say, give it a go. Just be prepared to, you know, set aside a a decent amount of time for it. Um, I'm going to give it 90. Lily Gladstone needs all of the awards out of a hundred. Justin, what about you? Yeah, we're going to recommend, um, and, and it's just like we, we've said before, you know, this is a Scorsese film. So, and you know, he's like, we said, he doesn't do short and sweet. So, you know, going into a movie like this, if you like his movies, you're probably, you're looking at at least over two and a half. And I mean, and this is over that. And then some, um, But I will say this, it's also easy to watch in parts like the way this is an interesting conversation to have, but I can tell you right now where to split it. Oh, really? Split it into two movies. You go about an hour and fifth or no, I'm sorry, an hour and 25 ish minutes in. And then you do the next two hours. Split it like if you're gonna split it, that's how I suggest it becomes two movies like that. And when we get into spoilers, okay. I'll talk about what scene that is. Okay, okay, because I think that sometimes with movie series, anything like that, some things are easy to like you could take a break from it and come back. And I do, and I can't say that with every three hour movie, but I think this one is one of those where it's sectioned and the story is told in such a way with how he divided the three acts that like you were saying, Sterling, I didn't know the exact, I didn't have it down to a timestamp like you, but I definitely felt like when I went back, just kind of section watching it, I was like, man, this, this views comfortably even if you're taking breaks, it's not like if you take a break from it, you're going to come back and go, Oh, I forgot everything or anything like that. Like it feels like what you retain the first hour you watch or hour and a half or whatever it is, you will be able to pick up the next day or in two days or something like that. And it won't feel like you are now lost or you, you like, miss something. And I, and I can't say that about every movie, but I think that this one flows in such a way it's, it's allowable for you to be able to take breaks and, and things like that. So I will give the movie that, um, which is weird if we have to suddenly start having conversations about, you know, which movies are easy to break, but I, 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 this is, I don't know what kind of list that would make, but this is one of them. I feel, I feel like if your movie is made like this, you can get away with dissecting a little bit and you won't lose anything, not watching it. 
the entire way through. I felt like this movie did that better than Oppenheimer did. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a a tougher movie to to watch like dissect. And it's because of the nonlinear storytelling they do in Oppenheimer. This is straightforward. Yeah. 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 All the events line up. Yeah, I get what you're saying with that. So, yeah. So there is that, you know, even if, yeah, you may not have three and a half of time to watch it. But if you've got two or three days to watch it, I would say make the effort. You know, if you've got two days, you know, get get half in one day or do what Sterling's going to suggest. I can't wait to hear that suggestion and then get the rest in the next. I think it would be worth your time because the movie is that good. So, uh, yeah. So with that being said, we're going to go. Um, 95, and because I can't resist, here's the kid Jastin coming out. But we're going to go 95 uh, paddlings from Uncle Robert De Niro out of 100. Uncle Rob. Good old Uncle Rob. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm about to recommend a three and a half hour long movie. Uh, that goes against the very core of my being. You are a different Sterling. I'm convinced God, you are not the dude. same. You are a variant. <laughs> Something is wrong. I'm going to t- alert the TVA. Like, who are you even? I don't even know. That's like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Because, yeah, I recommend the fuck out this movie. It's worth it. It really is. Like I said, stick around for spoilers. I'll do it first thing in spoilers. I'll tell you where to to divide it into two movies. It makes it two very watchable, easy movies, and it's worth it. It really is. My issues with it, I, I do 100% agree with you, Justin. Point of view should have been from Lily or from, from uh, Molly, the character of Molly. God, that would have been just chef's kiss perfect. But because Martin Scorsese just loves having corrupt as fuck white men as his main characters, I get it. At least, at least he did not try to act like there was some good in their corruption. Yeah, salvage their characters yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, at least he we didn't go there, which you, I was I was afraid. I was afraid, but oh, at the end of that movie, I thought they were going to give that redemption to Ernest, and then he just goes, mm-hmm. "Fuck that." With a smile on his face. And then they went, fuck you. I was like, thank God. Oh, thank God. Because, yeah, I got nervous too, Justin. I got nervous on that. So I'm glad they did not hold back from that. Thank God. And also, shout out to the fact that they also brought up the Tulsa Massacre. Hell yeah. I was going to mention that later. But yes, that was tight. That was tight. Also, you know, like, great. You know, and I and I loved like the weird nuances of the times of, oh, I know we racist as fuck, but the KKK is just so just bad. I love those weird distinctions that they have, uh, you know, in that that like our racism's fine, the KKK's racism is just gross. It, but that's historically accurate, you know. I do think that there's this weird, uh, like. 
whitewashing of history of like, you know, the civil war, it's like, Oh, the North was fighting to end slavery. Like it was a weird anti-racist cause on their case. No, they wanted to end slavery, but they was still racist as fuck. Like you can be racist and still think slavery is bad. Yep. Like nobody, like if anybody's being historically accurate, you're still not giving the North a complete pass is all I'm saying. Cause you know, they would use some racial slurs while saying you don't need to be a slave. So, you know, and I like that, that this was accurate to it. I, I, I just like the fact that, you know, this movie didn't pull any punches. Now where I think that this biggest misstep in this movie, aside from the point of view thing is I do think, and I will talk about it in a little bit is the end of the movie without getting specific. I think the end of the movie gets a little sloppy as they're wrapping up stuff. And that's where I honestly, I think you could have say, shaved some time from this movie is wrapping some of that up a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong. They did not completely Lord of the Rings, this shit where it could have ended 97 times before those fucking credits hit but there's a couple of times where maybe it could have ended. And then the actual ending, I think they could have done better, but you know, you made me sit through three hours and 25 minutes of a movie. And when I'm going, man, you could have just wrapped this up a little better at the end. So that means I still sat through three plus hours of a movie, not minding any of this shit going on. That's still a success especially with my ass who typically would want to tap out at two hours and 20 minutes. You took me an hour past my typical breaking point of a movie. That is no small feat. So yeah. Oh, score wise. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm splitting the difference guys. 92. You know what? I'll round up 93. Because splitting the difference would be a 92 and a half. So I'm going to split the difference and give it a 93. Because we round up here. Uh, I'm going to give this 93. I concur, Heather. Lily Gladstone needs to win all the fucking awards. Out of 100. Uh, I can tell you right now, too, our Senate score is a 93. Go. So. That's fair. That's you know, I, I guarantee, I think that that's higher than Justin thought it would be going into this. Cause I, I, I think just based on Justin's reaction at the beginning of this, he thought I might be just going like the best I would give. It would be a 70. If I was just like feeling yeah. everything would be a 70. Nah, it's, it's, it's fucking good. It, a good movie's a good movie. As Justin likes to say, sometimes you got to let movies movie. And this movie the fuck out of me for three hours and 20 minutes. So <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. Yes, sir. Spoilers. Very funny, Justin, that you mentioned in your score, the paddling scene. Cause right after the paddling scene, that, that scene ended there. That's okay. the break point. That's like three hours to, or I'm sorry, that's like one hour, 25 minutes, one and a half hours, roughly in there. End it there. Just pause it there. 
you know, if you're doing one day, if you're doing a two day watch, end it after that scene, end it after the Masonic Lodge paddling scene, and then do the rest of the movie. It works very well. And I know this because that's what I accidentally did. And it just worked. That was just the point I got to, and I'm like, all right, I need to stop it. Went back, came back, watched the, you know, the last two hours of the movie, and I'm like, fuck, that worked. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I didn't feel like I stopped apart, like, you know, abruptly, anything like that. Like, it was just a good natural conclusion point where you could go on. But I do agree with you, Justin. There's a few of them in there. There really is. It's almost like on the hour. You can yeah. almost do it. Yeah, but I like what you said because I'm thinking about that point in the movie. And yeah, that is a pretty good stopping point because like so much had happened. The relationship had already been established by that time. You, you saw, you've seen some crime and corruption, but it's really where Ernest uh, turns the corner with his shit like intensifies after the paddling, he you know? goes from being a so, scoundrel to a villain. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's just before he really turns the corner. So yeah, that is a good stopping point. I like what you said there, but you're right. I do think there are multiple places though. Um, maybe even a little further after that, where he's having, which is a scene that I loved where he, him and uh, Lily Gladstone are having that conversation about the insulin and he's the insulin and he's really trying to pour on that, you know, you know, all of the, your, 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 you know, your beliefs and all of the witch doctory and all of that stuff is never going to save you like that argument there where they're going back and forth about that. And then she, um, and he's like, you know what? He tells the doctors, you know, I'll administer it myself and all that happens. And they sort of lay down after that. That, that That's another nice place. That's about an hour, 30 something in that. That's another nice I think that's nice like 15 minutes. That'd be 15 minutes after where I'm saying like, roughly. yeah, that almost yeah. splits the movie yeah. directly in half. Yeah. And that, and I think that was where I hit a half point with it, you know, and then the second day I went. So it's it's just interesting that we landed almost in a similar place, you know. And it, it doesn't, does it like, as long as you, for the most part, as long as you, when you, when you stop it, as long as you stop at the end of a scene, you almost could do that at any point in this movie, honestly. And it wouldn't really break what this movie does. Because this movie is very just effective with how it tells the story. And I think that that's what makes me so mad about it. Is this movie is damn near three and a half hours long. And I'm like, if I, if I butchered this movie to get it down to less of a runtime, but still be effective storytelling wise, I'd maybe shave 10 or 15 minutes off. Maybe. And at that point, fuck it. You might as well let it go 325 if you're only saving that much. What is At that point, what's the difference between 310 and 325? Really? 
Yeah. True. You know. And 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 with Scorsese's movies too, he doesn't often tell a story like this. He likes to do a bunch of jumping back and forth and flashbacks and stuff like that, you know. Or telling he, it as a memory. Yeah, or telling it as a memory. So there's a so there's that jumping back. He didn't really do that this time, which is interesting, you know, for how long it was. And he normally will do that, but you could just tell that he really wanted to nail sequentially what was happening. And also one thing that Scorsese does a lot is he typically has narration. Yeah. There's no narration in this movie. If there is, it's at the very beginning, but there's not really a running narrator. I feel like it changes viewpoints. Like it has a few different points where somebody's kind of doing a a voiceover thing during certain situations, but it's not consistent. It's not not a running narrator. Mm -hmm. Like he typically does. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. right. There is some voiceover scenes. You are correct in that, but it's not the running narrator of right. of uh, essentially the point of view of a storyteller. That Which he is why I thought so it was going to be Molly, yes. and it should have been, but that's fine. No, you, you are right. There is some voiceover scenes, kind of when he monologues some stuff, or it's like somebody telling somebody the plan, and it shows the plan while they're saying it. They do stuff like that in this movie, but he typically does a point of view narrator narrating the story like they are telling you the story yeah and he does not do that in this um i did want to give you a quick update that i found out um golden globe noms came out best actress nom not supporting god the best the golden globes are doing something fucking right for once in their miserable existence that's tight the only other one that I'm just like, ooh, on is, well, actually, no, Lily Gladstone needs it either way. But I like also that they put Greta Lee from Past Lives in there. But I still think Lily Gladstone should win ooh. everything ever. So I was going to bring it up later. That's still my favorite movie this year. Past Lives. Yeah, that's mm. close up there for me. Past too. Lives was awesome. Yeah. 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 But if you're like, I like Killers of the Flower Moon, but Past Lives was still really good. I <laughs> won't fight you on it. Yeah. You have to acknowledge yeah. that Past Lives is really fucking good, though. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's still where I'm at, though. Past Lives is still it for me. That's, yeah, that's where it was. That's I was going to talk about that later when I said that earlier. Oh. I was talking <laughs> about Past Lives. Yeah. You know. But, uh, yeah, I, that makes me happy. And, I mean, it's I know it's not the Oscars yet, but at least Golden Globes got it right, and they gave her a Best Actress nom and not a Supporting Actress nom. Eyes are on you now, Academy Awards. Don't fuck it up. For real. Golden yeah, Globes did don't. it right. Don't fuck it up. But uh, I'm going to do Justin's favorite thing. We're going to talk about the end real quick. I did not like it going to that radio play at the very end of the movie. To wrap it all up, I did not like that. Yeah. I did not like that at all. I think if you're going to do a narrator point of view at that point, do it then. Have Lily Gladstone tell you the story of how everything ended. You know, while showing it, show Robert De Niro's character dying in a nursing home while Lily Gladstone's character, while Molly narrates it. I would have preferred that over going to that thing. You can have her be like, and I died in 1937, you know, like, or you know what I mean? Like do that. I would have preferred that. 
over the random radio play at the end. I I think I agree. I like what he did, but because I, or at least I like it better than you than they're just being a black screen and you reading text about all of this, which is like what we typically get in a movie like this. It just kind of wraps everything up with text and stuff. But I liked your idea. The I, I liked what they did, but I think the change I would have made is I would have made the character, the actor that played the character should have been the one up there saying what happened to themselves. If you had like if that, it was okay. Robert De Niro, if it was Robert De Niro oh, up there saying that would have been good, you know, um, I died in a nursing home. You know, I still went on to flaunt around about how I, you know, did this and did that and how what happened to me wasn't really, you know, what happened to me was an injustice. But ultimately, I just died in a nursing home and then the light goes out on him. And then maybe all of a sudden the the lights back on and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio walks out there. And then he talks about how he got, I got, uh, you know, I got out on bail. And then I just died of. Died in a trailer park. Yeah. (laughs) Died of natural causes in a trailer park. And then the light goes out on him. And then maybe finally it's Lily, like you said, and she gives what happened to her. That's what he should have done. Though I loved him at the end, though I did feel something. When Martin got up there at the end and there's damn near tears in his eyes and he's like, nothing was said about these murders. And boy, it looked like he was about to go. Like it looked like that fool was about to start crying at the fact that like nothing was said about everything that she went through, you know? Um, So that was powerful. But I wonder if it had been more powerful if it was Lily saying it, though, and saying, oh, yes, yeah. nothing was ever said about the murders of my sisters. And it's and just, then you just her have up a spotlight there. On Especially her. what I yeah. like about your change to it, Justin, outside of saying the radio play and the characters, I like how you have them tell it in the first person. Yeah. I liked you saying that. That, to me, makes it better. This is what they said about me. And like, you know, nobody said anything about the murders. Nobody said what happened to me. That's what I think makes it more powerful. If the characters are saying it in the first person in that radio play type of scene. Yeah. When I was saying that the end gets sloppy though, also those last few scenes before that, when it's in the jail stuff, when it's like in the jail cells and kind of going back and forth a little bit, it gets a little sloppy in those in that section. That's what I was talking about, it getting sloppy towards the end. And I think it was just because they were getting to the point, knock these scenes out, get to the end. I just think that they weren't as meticulous with those last couple of scenes before the radio play as they were for the rest of the movie. But that's nitpicky shit, you know? And when I'm talking about deleting some scenes here and there, I'm talking about very few. One thing that in most movies I would have slashed left and right were the transition scenes. This movie has a ton 
of just transition scenes. I wouldn't cut a single one of those. They're beautifully shot. They do deal with the narrative. Even if there's no words, no dialogue, no nothing, it's still dealing with the narrative. And they're beautifully shot. And honestly, if you cut all those out, you're only going to save maybe four minutes off the entire runtime because they're like 20 seconds each. And if that's the case, yes, keep them all because they're definitely worth it. You know, like that's, you know, I feel bad. You know, I, I doubted Martin Scorsese after the Irishman. I was kind of not feeling him whenever with the, the fucking Wolf of Wall Street. I thought Wolf of Wall Street, I play, I thought he played it a little too loose with the corruption part. Because the character's corrupt, sure. But did he not make it look glamorous as fuck? To where the real life guy afterwards got famous. Because of how glamorous Martin made it. So I thought he took a misstep with that. The movie's, you know, it's a good movie. I'm not really not, but I'm, you know what I mean? But he missed really going, this was dirty, grimy bullshit. Don't do it. He missed the mark with that in Wolf of Wall Street. That's what made me nervous in this movie. That that like because of how he missed it and that, I was like, oh no, he's gonna drop the ball at this. And he didn't. And then I will give him credit for what you were saying, Justin, at the end of the movie, when he reads that and he does look like he's about to burst into tears because of it, it helps seal the message he was saying. It helps seal the deal when he's like, no, these white people were fucking terrible. They were fucking monsters. And what happened to these people is a gross miscarriage of justice that our country needs to rectify so kudos martin scorsese that is really all i have to say negative wise or spoiler wise really about this movie there's not really anything to spoil about this movie it's just a narrative it's not there's no big twist there's nothing there there's not anything to spoil because it's not that type of story it's an effectively made movie. It's an effectively told story. It's an incredibly acted movie. If anybody remembers Netflix's Daredevil, the guy that played Foggy Nelson in that, uh, also played one of the Bash brothers in the, the Mighty Ducks movies, he's in this movie. I don't think he says a single fucking line, but he is just a guy in town. And yeah, he's in this movie. Um, Oh, I do, I do want to comment. There's a lot of people that have complained about Brendan Fraser's acting in this movie. About how over the top and intense, you know what I mean? It was just so just uh. intense right away and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. He was the theatrical miscarriage of justice defense attorney. Yeah, he was the showman. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. Perry May or he was fucking, what's his name? Not Perry Mason. Uh. The one that Andy Griffith played. Matlock. Yes. He's Matlock yeah. turned up to 11, but evil. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. Yeah. 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 When I saw that scene, I was like, oh, yeah. Do you do you not want to see a spinoff movie of the actual just trial watching John Lithgow and Brendan Fraser actually have a fucking trial? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, that's a dream movie right there. And I didn't even know I needed that movie until this one. But yeah, like I thought Brendan Fraser was great coming in as the, that, that foghorn leghorn fucking Southern lawyer, just loud and theatrical and oh, miscarriage of justice. How could I possibly, I need, you know, Oh, I loved that. He was chewing up scenery, but never overacting in the slightest. He got up to the edge of it, but that's the point. Oh, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, he was great. Fuck, I am so glad that man is acting again. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm tapped now. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I And honestly, that was, and I did not remember that or maybe I didn't even know that Brendan Fraser was in this movie at all. So that was kind of a fun surprise. And I, I did enjoy that. I thought it was great. Like, I feel like it, right away you, you understand who his character is supposed to be and why he's being that way. It's pretty clear. And, and you're just kind of like, oh, no, I'm not going to like this guy. He's going to be a little bit, he's going to be a little bit just trying to do his own thing, kind of like the salesman of law or something like that, you know. And he was great. I thought he did a great job. I mean, he's... That's the one where I said, like, maybe utilizing him more because he's only in it for a whole three minutes. <laughs> oh, same with John Lithgow. Same with Jesse Plemons. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesse Plemons. The, yeah. Oh, that, that guy that played the indigenous uh, detective guy also. Yep. He yep. doesn't oh, yeah. do much, but when he's, he's just good. in the background of those scenes, does he not have like a certain like je ne sais quoi to him? He has a presence. Yeah, he yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe for we need sure. that movie, too. Like. Yeah. The, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I don't like that name. That's just officially what they were called. Movie. Yeah. With them like solving like indigenous crimes. Right. Like, do you not like him and Jesse Plymouth as a weird buddy cop movie doing that? Shit I would, would be, be down for that. Great too. Yeah. There's yeah, so many spinoffs that this movie just dictates. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I, and Jesse Plymouth, I mean, he's, he always delivers. I think he's great all the time, but yeah, he. I feel like he weirdly always plays a cop now, though. <laughs> like I feel like he plays a cop in like half the things he's in, but it works somehow. It just works. But yeah, he was great too, and he was he was in it more than the other supporting people in this movie, but not by much. You could still use more of him in this movie, you know. Um, yeah, but I think something that was interesting to me about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance here that I actually particularly liked for it is. He, I mean, he plays this, I feel like I haven't really seen him play specifically this version of a character before where he's very much on the outside around everybody else. He's trying to pretend like he's this very independent, very like confident guy and take charge and like making decisions for himself. And to the point where he actually, you could tell he's like trying to also make himself believe that about himself, you know? But in reality, and from what we see, I mean, he's just kind of a puppet. (laughs) He's kind of a puppet to his uncle. And you know what I mean? And like, just you you do see the like dilemma that he has in certain decisions that he's making. But ultimately, you also just see that he's just like, he's just being controlled by everything and everybody else around him. And I actually think it was a really great portrayal because it, it is that like you 100% know that in his head, he's not even thinking that he's that guy. He's he's just thinking like, 
you know, he he's he's justifying everything he's doing and he's 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 making up in his mind that like, no, I'm doing it for the good and I, I did the right thing and I did it for this and whatever else. And like just trying to explain away any decision that he's made um, for a lot of this, it feels like, you know, but you just you know, he's struggling. You could see the scenes where it shows him struggling with the decisions he's making and you just see that he is just being manipulated and controlled by Robert De Niro's character. And it's it's a really great performance. I, I thought it was really well done and a, just an interesting way to show, like, essentially our main character of this whole movie, aside from Lily Gladstone's character, you know, you're essentially that's the type of guy that he is, you know, like usually your main character, you're supposed to feel like you're rooting for them more. Like they're more of a protagonist type. He's not really, he's not a good guy at all. Like, and they also do a good job of making you think that he might be at the first, that maybe he is actually a decent dude. And to be fair for me, I didn't know anything about this actual story before this. So I didn't know who his character was. So for me, I'm like, maybe he's going to be that guy. That's like the one guy they can trust that's you know coming in that's not part of this culture and for a good you know half hour they make you think maybe that's true (laughs) and then you're just like nope not even a little bit and it's just you know and just the amount of just pain that he also puts molly's character through and you're just like oh i just i hate him i just hate this guy you know because And just the really interesting and natural and very human way that Molly reacts to him when she could have been angry and outraged and like yelling and all these things. And all she's doing is being very like meek and very just like disappointed. (laughs) She gives this air of disappointment and hurt more than she gives of like, you're the worst and I hate you, you know, when she had every right to kind of be like that. You could tell she always sort of had like a trust issue there because, you know, she'd even be like, do you know if this guy was killed or if he killed himself? You know what I mean? And yeah, so it was just one of those where you, they just really form her character well because you know she's trying, she wants to believe her husband, but she also doesn't really fully trust him. And so it's, it's just a really interesting dynamic to see played out on screen in different moments, depending on the situation and how, how she wants to either lean into him or she doesn't want to lean into him. And I just really like that. Cause I feel like that's very realistic, you know, especially for what was actually happening to her people, you know? And I just really loved that. And I thought, her subtleties and her, the subtleness of her performance in certain moments was really, really well done. And she was very smart about how she chose to do certain things. So yeah, I just, it's just an unbelievable performance, but, but also Leonardo DiCaprio, I think he was unbelievable as well. Like he kind of always delivers, but you know, he was definitely more that over the top performance. He was more of that, like, emotionally charged performance if you will and it worked you know and it was good but um but yeah it just I don't know I just I feel like all of these characters were just so like well fleshed out because of who was playing them 
and it, it just really, you know, it just really worked well. Um, and, you know, I also do like the, the stylistic choice too of like how they, um, like whenever one of the people of Osage died and you just kind of see them in bed and they're, they're, they're on their deathbed basically. I thought that that was a really haunting thing to see that was really powerful to, to show because it, it just shows you the very bleak nature of what was happening to these people. And I, I just love how they showed that and they showed it every time and they showed it with children and women and older people and young men and whoever. They also showed it with her sister that died in the bomb. Whenever they found her body, yes. they still yes. made it look like her body on a deathbed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then they lifted yeah. her up and her the back of her skull is just shattered. Mm. Yeah. 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 But I, I loved it to go with what you were saying, Heather. They still did that in that scene too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was really mm-hmm. impactful because at first I was like, why does it look like a deathbed? And like, it was just one of those things. It's like, it's great imagery. It's very yeah. powerful. It's smart. It's well done. Yeah. Imagery. That is the word I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is. And like, those are the moments when like you, you feel the impact of what the story is trying to say. And I thought it was, it was placed well. It was done at just the right moments, you know, and I just really appreciated how they, how they did that and how they were thoughtful and took care to show that and make that point in this movie. So, yeah, I think um, you're, you're kind of right, Sterling. There's not a whole lot to really necessarily spoil about the movie. Um, you know, it's just one of those where you, you just you got to watch it play out. Um, I mean, I, the scenes where Molly is just near death because of these stupid shots that whatever I don't even remember what they put in with the insulin that she's being given, but I'm like those moments I was like, oh, it was it made me ache watching it because she just looked like she was about to drop dead at any given moment with just how sick she was, you know. And then even just that that jab or that that moment uh, for the audience when um, Ernest says to her like see, you look great. You know, um, this insulin, you know, it worked, you know, you had to get worse before it got better, really trying to manipulate her and make, make himself feel like, oh, he just didn't do this worst thing in the world (laughs) to her, you know, and make her be like, see, but on the other side of it, you're fine. You're totally fine. And you look great. And just seeing those slow little like jabs and like pricks of just terribleness that he gives to you every now and then that just sort of start to add up. And it was really clever to do it that way because it's almost one of those where, because he is so convinced in his mind for so long, it feels like that he is just not, you know, doing anything wrong. It feels like, or he just doesn't want to take responsibility for him doing anything wrong that you, you just see that he's just, trying to convince himself about uh, about that with stuff like that. Like, see, I told you, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. And, you know, and then it just kind of all crumbles so quickly. So, 
yeah, I just, I think it was just really a great way to show just sort of the kind of decomposition of his character too and how his reputation is deteriorating and the trust that she has in him is being slowly more broken because you know at no point did she not think he had something to do with that. So it, it just feels like she wasn't saying anything and she had her reasons and she was kind of slow playing it to kind of feel things out. But you could tell that there were things with her where she just didn't really fully trust him for whatever reason that may be. So I don't know. I just the the little subtleties that they do in this story with these characters is so brilliant and it really adds to the storytelling aspect of this. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. Justin. The connoisseur of the long movie, at least on this podcast. I mean, I was just going to say, bring it home. Got it. Um, I feel like um, right from the outset, uh, you get kind of the impression that Ernest Burkhardt you know, he was coming back from war. He was injured. Um, so he's back just trying to patch his life back together. And, you know, maybe he could have been a good person. Maybe he wouldn't have necessarily chosen this life path or, you know, who knows. But it just seemed like from the outset, the moment that he got with his uncle and William Hell is explaining to him the way things work. It just seemed like everything was centered around screwing these indigenous people that were rich, somehow infiltrating them, somehow making money off of them, somehow capitalizing on their wealth, somehow befriending them or pretending like it was just right away. His uncle was trying to acclimate him to the culture of just basically blood sucking, you know, these people and like, and I love like the Tulsa, how they were the, the, how there was kind of like this Tulsa comparison. And I'm not saying that what happened in Tulsa is necessarily equal to what happened here. You know, I'm not going to try to say the, 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 they're the same. But there are parallels where you essentially have these successful people of color and then you have these white people infiltrating and destroying that in some sort of way. Now, granted, for lack of a better term, they were a little nicer in their methods here where you're 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 befriending you're marrying you're manipulating you're um you're you're doing all these things to appear like you're on the up and up um but 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 really there is just this whole operation designed to steal from you whether it's the doctors whether it's the the husbands that you're marrying whether it's the 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 bankers and the people telling you how much money they're going to allow you to take out and where you're going with the money and how much are you going to use for this or your your mom sure did use a lot to 
go to the grocery store. I mean, everything, every just set up, everything was set up to keep track of these people, to keep records of their money, to manipulate their money and basically control them, give them the illusion that they were in control, but really me and my network of white people are controlling everything. Well, and it's the methodical nature of we're going to take this movie. We're going to take this money and we're going to kill you one by one as we do it. So that way the le- the the money transfer part will be legal. They were weirdly concerned about making sure the money transfer part and the 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 rights and all the money was legal while they did all the illegal shit to to then once that happened the, to get it. Yeah. And and I mean Yeah, and I hadn't even got to the killing part yet, but you're exactly right. That's how it all fits together. Like, so you're doing all of this stuff. You've got this whole network set up to track all of this stuff, and then you're killing them one by one. And I mean, just the level of infiltration, like when you look at William Hell as and what he he was as a person, like you got to think about this, man. He learned these people's language like they learned their language. He could speak their language. He knew about their culture and their traditions and everything like that so that he could easier manipulate them. Well, take it one step further. There's a scene in this movie where the the, the tribe is talking about how the white men are there to kill and steal from them. But he is so infiltrated into them and their culture. He's sitting in on the meeting as like a part of them. Yes. And he's sitting there by the way. Yes. Like how he's like, he's a part of them. Like he's a wise man, a confidant, somebody who they can rely upon for decision making and everything like that. Yeah. And he was like the ambassador to the white people that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like they weren't afraid to say white people trying to steal from us. Right. And he'd be like, yeah, they are, man. And he'd be like, see, (laughs) yeah, our our, our white guy says it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, our, our trusted white guy is agreeing with us. Yeah. But he was that infiltrated in that scene right there is one of my favorite scenes just because it shows exact all the points you were saying, like amplified that he is that in like inducted into what they do. But also like that scene is. What I love about that scene is the the guy who I don't remember his name, but the the main guy who was basically monologuing during that was so believable and just so real. Like you just feel like he's just a real everyday person that, you know, that that's just his life, everyday life, living that. And like he was just such a phenomenal performance in that moment. Yeah, I was going to give him a shout out to Yancey Reed Corn, who played Chief Bonacastle. Mm. You're talking about yeah. him, right? Yeah. Who was doing all the speaking and saying, yeah, when, you know, if it were, uh, if this was, if, if it was up to us, we would just kill these people. But we don't know. Man, he was great, man. He had a few, there were a few scenes with that council and he nailed it. 
on every one of them. And, and, and I loved him. I was like, man, dude, this guy, I could listen to him talk about this kind of stuff for two or three hours. I could just listen to him talk about this because he sounded so intelligent and proud and everything like that. And that's why, you know, you just want, you just wish more and more that more of this story was from the indigenous people's perspective, because boy, they really seem to have a voice and, and meaning and, and, and you just wanted more of them. You, you just felt like whenever you didn't get you, you didn't hear from them or didn't hear their voice you just felt like it was missing, you know, when you didn't hear it as entertaining as the movie was. But yeah, um, yeah, he was great. And he was another gem in this in this movie as far as his acting and everything. He was excellent. But yeah, just you're looking at that level of corruption with this. And that's the thing. It wasn't, it, it, you know, it would be enough if it was just the killing but just the lengths that these people were going through. I mean, and so when these people are being killed, you have doctors manipulating the bodies so that it's harder to track and trace what's happening. You you have doctors helping to deliver drugs that we can administer to people so that we could keep them bedridden or keep them sick or keep them like just the level of what was being done to these people. You know, you've got the guy, the ambassador calling himself a reverend and going around praying. And on one end, he's building like a dance school and doing all this community stuff. You know, he's like, putting on that facade, spending his money on stuff like that to keep up this facade. But the whole time he's like controlling these people, even when it didn't seem like it, like it was just crazy. The lengths that was that, that they were going through to control and manipulate these rich indigenous people. And like, man, it, it just it just makes you angry when you see what was happening. And like when you look at Molly and what she must have been going through, she had so many family members, a, a mother, her sister's father. And just to see them dying one by one. And and it's, and it's not like, oh, could this one have died of natural causes? Could this one? I mean, sisters getting shot just straight up in the head, you know, just blown away. And then, you know, just one person dying after another. And then the person that you have married, the person that you are giving your trust to, the person that you have feelings for and you feel like you love is the one causing it. Like is the one helping. He's the one putting these things in motion and man, what that must have done to her psychologically. I can't even begin to imagine. And then you, then you're having children with this person. Like my goodness, man, my goodness. Like, 
and the and the fact that she had to go through all of this, they go to jail, everything like that. Then to have to restart your life and remarry and live with no family members, like, uh, I, I, and I can't forget she had a ch- they they had a kid die too, like. My goodness, man, like that that's why this deserved to be her story. Like a lot of it is, but even more so for what this woman went through, this was just horrific. I don't even know if I would have made it. I don't even know if I would have had the strength to try and start over with another marriage and somebody else and somehow made it out of this without being killed herself. That in and of itself is a miracle, just given everything that was happening and just how on a whim people were being killed in her family and everything like that. So it it really is just amazing that this all happened to someone. You know, that that this all happened to someone and their family and everything like that. So that just is is not lost on me. And back to DiCaprio for a little bit. But yeah, I I love what you said about him earlier, Heather, where you're just seeing how he's getting deeper and deeper into this. And some of those things his uncle was telling him, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they got head rights. Okay. Yeah. There's money in them. Okay. You know, cool, cool. And you don't feel that at the beginning, he's really brought in, you know, he's just kind of seeing Molly and kind of, they kind of take a liking to each other and everything, you know, you you didn't feel like all of it was just, oh, I'm going to do this so I can infiltrate, you know, but, but, but it did feel like at some point, as he got deeper into everything and the uncle got became more controlling and everything like that, it did become that. And like you said, him sort of believing that the money was already his and how sometimes he would talk like, you're making me spend all my money. And then I remember that person that the, uh, the, the funeral, the casket guy going, this is not your money, man. Like, this isn't your money. This is the, the this is Molly's buddy. <laughs> you know, I, I I know you think it, it's yours, but and now I'm feeling like was that delusion talking, or is that him looking forward to the future, knowing? You know, it I is going to be mine. Bold. I think it's a little both, and also combined in privilege. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that privilege shit. Yeah. Coming to the forefront. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like a little bit of all of that all rolled in there. And it kind of just shows how, like how white people have worked for so long. It's the taking, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the colonizing. The entitlement. It's the, yep. It's the colonizing. It's the entitlement. It's, it's the like genociding. all of that. Yep. The genociding is just all of that 
rolled up into one. And, and it's crazy because like when William Hale or Robert De Niro, or whatever is watching the video and they're talking about Tulsa and it's like, look, you know, they bombed them and stuff. And this is everything that was left. Like he's not sitting there having any kind of remorse this fool, it gave him an idea. It was like, man, I can blow up some, I can blow up some motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those damn. things like it's just damn. And it, it, it's one of those stark contrasts too of like, I'm watching it going, it, you know, thinking of what it is. Like it's a massacre. It's, it's a horrendous time in American history. It's all of these things. And he's going, goals yeah yeah he's just sitting there going oh damn i can blow up people i can i i've got things to look forward to now yeah i could do this you mean to tell me i've been doing putting in all this hard work and i could do it this way i've been killing motherfuckers one at a time i can just annihilate them all yeah, at once. like, yeah, this fool is sitting in here brainstorming game plans and stuff for his next for the how the next mission is going to go. So, yeah, all of that was just. Like. Amazing, just how. How how relentless he depicted them and how shameless he depicted them. And just how cutthroat they were. So all of that was great. And then when it all is kind of falling down and everything is happening, how William Hale, uh, also that conversation they had where um, De Niro's in the car and Leo's kind of hanging on the outside of the window. And he's like, hey, you got to sign this, man. You got to sign over this buddy in case something happens to you. And, you know, Leo's like, well, what's going to happen to me? You know, what, 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 what are you talking about, man? What, what, what's going to happen to me? Ernest is all like, what's going to happen to me? And he's like, well, you know, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing's going to happen, man. But I, but, but we really need you to sign this, you know, come on, Ernest, you know, we need you to sign this, man. We need to keep this money uh, in the family and everything. And just, how it did it almost didn't matter who it was. The money was just more important. His own selfish desires was just more important than anyone. You know, even when it was over, it really wasn't over for him. He's, he was just trying to make deals and kid get, died. Get with well, well, the earnest kid died and he still didn't fucking like change. Like, and he was genuinely heartbroken about it. Like, yeah, the kid wasn't a part of the mission. The kid was something he truly loved and still went, nah, that insulin, baby. Yeah. 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 I mean, even that part too, where, um, he obviously set up the murder of that one guy that I think she was married to first. Um, and then like Henry, Henry. Yes. Loved that guy too. He was great. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. And like just even that whole thing of how, you know, she keeps asking him, do you know what happened? And he's like, no, I don't know. 
and then cut to the next scene and he's freaking out with his uncle you know, and he's just like, I swear I told him to do it from the front of the head. I swear on my kids' lives. Like, just the amount of control that his uncle had over him because of how freaked out that he was. Like, it was just really, it was interesting to see. Well, well, on top of that, too, shows goes back to what I was saying earlier, that weird dichotomy that these people would have and stuff. And when Robert De Niro's character is like, don't swear on your kids' lives. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> but kill your wife. Yeah. Murder your wife, their mother. But we don't want anything to happen to these dear sweet baby angels. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like and th- that scene too, at the end of the movie, when the kid dies, like Ernest's character, heartbroken. Robert De Niro's character is heartbroken too. Like it's, the mindset, the mental gymnastics that people were going through back in the day to maintain their racism, but also sometimes not. Yeah. The it's fluctuating like morals or whatever that they had. Yeah. And just and for William Hale, it's almost like what is the means to the end? Because I remember whenever um Ernest said, Hey, me and Molly are pregnant. And he makes that announcement. And because that was something that William Hale wasn't anticipating. And now things kind of getting rocky because, you know, you having, you know, which you have kids. And then that that kind of makes the inheritance situation a little rocky that that look on De Niro's face whenever they made that announcement and everybody is clapping and going, yeah, yeah, congratulations. And he's like. That's great. Yeah. That's great. But like Robert De Niro, I mean, th- this is why he is so good because. Wait, before he is, you finish that, I want to just admit something. I had forgotten how good that fucking guy is. Yeah. I yeah. Have, he's done all this bad grandpa, meet the fuckers having a fucking claymation face in, in, in the Irishman. I had forgotten how good of a fucking actor that guy can still be. Don't get me wrong. I remembered how good he was. I didn't think he had that dog in him, though. Well, he was barking, though, him, on this. And this. I feel like Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro made this movie their personal mission to tell me how fucking wrong I am about them. They may have, bro, because he didn't have no CGI here. But boy, you want to talk about somebody. He's already acting. So he's pretending to be excited about a baby that he is not excited about, but still was acting in a way to where you could tell that he could not hold, like he could not make a face that didn't say he wasn't excited about that child. Yep. Like, I hope he, I said that he right. Acted about, he acted acting whilst also acting. Like, yeah, he did an yes. acting triple dip. He did. It, it, it's like a triple layered. 
it's like a triple layer thing he was doing there because he's acting like caring, but he's also has to act in a way to where you can tell that he cannot fully pretend that he wants that child to be born is the hardest thing for me to explain, but as hard as it is for me to explain, but as hard as it is for me to explain in words, that motherfucker did it and nailed it. Yeah. And absolutely nailed it. And I was like, Oh my God, he is seething. Like you could practically see like the steam coming out of his head. Like, like what the hell is my nephew doing having a kid like this at this time? But, and it was all on his face over a layer of him trying to pretend he was happy about it. Like it was excellent. Just excellent, excellent shit, man. Like is, is all I can say. So that was just another standout scene from me, uh, from Robert De Niro. To all the cine fans out there and to my fellow cinema slayers and movie going out, movie goers out there, you know, in general, you're welcome. Because like I said, I think they made this their personal mission to say, fuck you, Sterling. And we are all the better for it. Yes. Because it does. It that feels note. personal. <laughs> the self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> because I could tell when I started my little thing, because I was wording that specifically to make people think I was going to come in and be oh so contrarian and just bomb this movie. Because that is almost expected out of me with this. And I watched this movie. I watched this movie and I will admit, I watched this movie going, I'm going to fucking hate this movie because it's pretentious. It's long. It's just old hat bullshit. Like I just like, it's the old guard trying to hold on to something they need to let go of. Just cinema masterpiece. Fuck me. Just fuck me right in the eye. Man, well, I'm not going to follow that with anything. I think I'm done. I mean, this is just, it, and like you guys said, it's hard to spoil anything. Of course, we could sit here for another hour and talk about events and things that happened and the different and how horrible the killings were and all this other stuff, but like scene transitions that were well done in this. But I mean, really it's one of those, you have to see it to believe that, 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 that these words we are speaking are correct. You know? Yeah. You just need to go watch this shit. It'll be on Apple TV plus at some point. If you have iTunes, you can just go and buy it. That's what I did. Um, but yeah, just, you need to see this movie. If you claim to be like a movie lover, even if you don't think that this movie's going to be your cup of tea, you should watch it. Give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It might change your mind. This movie might change your mind on what you think your type of movie is. Yeah. Cause it's that damn good. 
friend of the podcast, Alejandro was like, I've watched this three times. I can't wait to watch it again. And I was like, bullshit. I'm going to hate watching this movie once. Now I still don't agree about the whole watching it three times. I need to watch it a fourth, but I was wrong. I'll admit I was wrong. I was hella wrong. I wasn't even just kind of wrong. I was hella fucking wrong. Man, that's 12 hours and some change. If he watches it four times, that's, that's more than half a day. That's about as much time <laughs> as I spent watching Zack Snyder's justice league though. The, the, the Snyder <laughs> cut. Cause I watched it like three times just trying to figure out why the fuck anyone liked it. I just kept watching it going, what the fuck am I missing? And I'd never figured it out. <laughs> Just never did. Oh man. Oh fuck me. I I'm I'm fucking stupid half this damn time. Why do I do that? Why do I go? I hate long movies and I don't like this shit. And I just keep watching it over and over again to just see if I miss something. Cause everybody's just, just a- loving it. What is it? A, you a, you're a sadist or you're a masochist? What is it? A masochist. masochist. That's the one I'm looking for. Oh, my fucking iTunes reads as a fucking masochist. You know what fucking movie I bought a couple of weeks ago and watched? Ghosts of Mars. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. You want to know what's Ghost really fucked Mars. up about that? I kind of dug watching it. Yeah, there's something about you, and you just. And it's because I people just. It, I, yeah, I must hate myself a little bit because I enjoy yeah. watching Ghosts of Mars. Do you know who has gotten way better at acting than they used to be? Ice Cube. Because <laughs> yeah. he's fucking terrible in that movie. He's not that Flash bad forward anymore. to 21 Jump Street. He's great. Great. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm just like kind of wondering. Like I think it's because he was trying to be serious in Ghosts of Mars. You know, he was fine in Friday. But why? Like he just yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be emotional at times. He's like, that was my brother. That's about as emotional as he was when his brother died. That was my brother. But I'm not gonna lie, the way that movie ends, when he's like, let's go kill some motherfuckers. I I'm kind of sad there's not a ghost of Mars too. Cause he ends it so fun. I was like, where the fuck was this fun ass character the whole rest of the movie? I do fucking hate myself. But you know what I don't hate? This movie. Don't hate it. That it? We done? Wrapping this up? Yeah, another beautiful yeah. transition. Yeah. Yes. Way to bring it back. Fucking perfect. I swear to God. One of these days, one of these days I might stumble on a transition, but you know what? Not today. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Threads and Instagram, at Cinema Slayers Pod on both TikTok and YouTube. 
Shout out to Plug Migo and Mudo Cho for our theme song and logos, respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your families, friends, and most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. It's a twofer. Lily Gladstone and Brendan Fraser. It has to be. You cannot mention Brendan Fraser if he's in something. He's great. I see no, I see no problems with what you said, Heather. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We here at the Cinema Slayers podcast are pro slut, pro Sydney, and pro naked. And remember, you, yes, you, cinema, uh, cinema fan out there, you work enough. And as I always in these podcasts, these TikToks, these YouTube videos, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. If this wins Best Picture, I ain't going to be mad. I'm actually kind of rooting for it to be. I hope so. I hope so. I didn't see all of the other options, but I did see Past Lives is another one that's nominated for that, at least at the Golden Globes. Past Lives would be my preference, but I ain't going to be mad. I hope that Past Lives can... At it's got to get something. When like something like maybe like that's is, original screenplay. Is that an adapted? Is that an original? Or I think adapted it's an original screenplay. screenplay. Whatever that it, would, it would be nice. I hope it's that. original because this is probably going to win best adapted. Yeah, you're right. The, that's this, yeah, yeah, that's because, a good point. Yeah, this is based on a yeah. This was a book, so yeah, so. Hopefully, original screenplay. I think that would be great. If it won Best Picture, I wouldn't be mad. But oh, Past Lives should definitely. It's win based on a story. play, I think. Oh, fuck. so they might be competing. Okay, Flower yeah. Moon, let that let it win Best Adapted, and you just fucking win Best Picture. Fuck off, just do well, the, the right best thing. Picture, the Best Picture ones right now are Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro. Oppenheimer, Past Lives, The Zone of Interest, mm-hmm. at least for the dramas, that's what it is. I think I've only haven't seen, I haven't seen three of those. I haven't yeah. seen The Maestro, the first one you said, The Anatomy of the Fall, and the last one you said. Zone of Interest. Yeah. Yeah. Of Where's the three. Barbie in comedy? Yeah, Barbie's in comedy. Because Golden Globes, they do yeah. comedy musical. That's in right. the in that one, it is Air, American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, May, December, and Poor Things. Barbie should win. Agree. Yeah, probably. I haven't. What if seen it's just a those. Barbenheimer show? Basically, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer wins. Okay. Barbie. <laughs> I know I have my issues with Oppenheimer, but let's be honest; it's not better than this. No, you no, know, it's, no, I don't think it is at all. Because that movie felt longer than this one. Yeah, exactly. That movie felt longer than this one. And this one's got like 20 minutes on it. Now, my thing is, though, if we're talking best actor, I mean, do we choose Killian Murphy or do we do Leo DiCaprio here? I mean. Leo. Yeah. I I mean, I think I would probably choose Leo. I was pausing because I was waiting for you guys to say something. To me, it's a a no brainer. It's Leo. (laughs) Like I, think I enjoyed it just, one he of did those more two movies. With it. 
I enjoyed one of those two performances. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not even trying to hate on Killian Murphy. Man, that's hard. Yeah. Boiling down to it, Oppenheimer not Oppenheimer was not my style of movie. I think it's oh. just because like Killian Murphy was good at playing Oppenheimer, but there was just more dynamic in the Leo performance, if that makes sense. So it just stands he out a little did bit more. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that you know he just did so much in this movie. Yeah. I mean, and still got outshined by fucking Lily. <laughs> right and De Niro I'm not gonna lie De Niro too yeah it was tight yeah he was really De Niro good was great god I I really did not think he had that in him still I did not because the Irishman did not make me think he had it it did not he had those Godfather vibes back you know what I mean <laughs> you just keep going back to the Irishman to throw some shade at it Irishman dude, don't tell me strays. don't tell you me just keep you thought he still had that dog in him when he did the Irishman. You might disagree with me on the overall quality of the movie, but don't tell me that you thought he had a performance that just legitimately dominated like he does in this. And as far as I'm concerned, he never left, dog. I like the Irishman. You know what I'm saying? He I, never I left. The Irishman. He never left. Go watch Dirty Grandpa and tell me if he fucking left, Justin. Oh, God. I'm just saying, don't call it a comeback, man. Yes, call it a comeback. Go go watch <laughs> Meet the Fockers 3 and tell me if he fucking left, Justin. Oh, yuck. Okay, stop it. <laughs> you know what's odd is, or I guess surprising to me, is that uh, Irishman has a higher tomato score than Killers of the Flower Moon. The inherent Bye. flaw that is the Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Yeah. But, uh, and it looks like Justin. even audience score is a little higher. It's All right, weird. Justin, you liked Irishman. What's better? Yeah. The, the, the killer. Yeah. I, yeah. Just to prove I'm not even on my bullshit. No, it's, killers yeah. Are better. I, like, you know I what mean, I mean? Like, yeah, I, I like killers. I did like killers better than Irishman. Irishman's good, but you know, you're talking two or three points here, though, with me. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's that close. <laughs> you talking like 70 damn points for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know this movie's good because, I, I mean, to like, that's you the comparison, give, and that was you the last can give Scorsese a, film. Another movie, a whole ass passing grade with the amount of points difference between the Irishman and this for me. Oh man, man! Irish this was catching just, all these strays, man. This was just such a good story, like the entire story. And uh, to be fair, I didn't see the Irishman, but this story is just so good here. Also, to be fair, Justin, these aren't strays. I'm fucking shooting at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting target. <laughs> <laughs> just no strays. Yeah, you're down. Right. Down. Yeah, yeah, we're past the strays at this point. Just put the holes in it. Like Justin, uh, I'm doing that shit. What's where, his name in the Godfather? You know, like you know those movies where it's like they they shoot a few times and they're like, "Hi, you missed," and I'm like, "Did I?" <laughs> Irishman. They bring the close up of the thing, and it's just perfectly all in the center. Yeah, I just yeah. kept hitting that bullseye over and over again with my accuracy <laughs> of what I'm fucking hitting. Yeah. 
I mean, I swear, if this was like next gen stats or something, it would be like every every twelve, every thirty five minutes, Sterling is going to say some shit about the Irishman that he hated it or something yeah. like that. I mean, it would be a next gen stat and, or something. But it's not like, like I'm going tangential on this. I mean, it's a Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese film, the last one they did together. I mean, I'm not just randomly pulling something out of the hat. I'm not randomly like bringing up, I don't know, the Pope's Exorcist or some shit. I'm not bringing up random movie. I'm it's, it's directly tied to this. I don't know why I said like Pope's Exorcist. Hell I hate on Irishman, but it seems like boy, whenever there's a moment to hate on the Irishman, you would take it. You're not gonna not Justin, take it. Go to like, Netflix when we when we hang up this call. Go to Netflix. Go to the Irishman. And fast forward a little bit to Robert De Niro's CGI fucking face. And then just watch it move a little bit and tell me. It just haunted your dreams, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and you said he moves like an 80 year old man when he was beating up that guy. <laughs> yes. I'm not even I'm not even on some bullshit. That's just a factual <laughs> statement. <laughs> Because Robert De Niro was in his 70s or 80s. And so he was moving like his body moves. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just saying, man, you just, you just be hating on it. I'm Jasmine, just saying you they be took hating on it. They a rusted up pickup and just spray painted it a color and went, look, it's the new car. <laughs> so much hate it's just it, i just feel like it's deep rooted justin that's not even hate i just said facts <laughs> that movie was a personal attack on him it was <laughs> i know he just got so mad at it he just hates it <laughs> so much hate like i said justin just fast forward until you see a run a, a young robert de niro face and just hit play and tell me that those aren't the most unnatural movements on a young person ever. And it was a deeply flawed idea to film like that I entire movie this. the way they filmed it. I want to see this now. I bet you could look it up on YouTube and find that clip. I'm saying go yeah, to the source. Oh, God. Oh, man. All right, I'm out of here.